Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Mike Kresnick, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune of Cormdeo Church and Pastor Chris Hemmelman. That's right. Of First City Church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Every Wednesday, we sit down and talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today, we're talking about Chris's sabbatical reflections. Because Chris finally came back from sabbatical. Finally. And hey, what, no, I, don't, I don't mean that to be like, oh, finally you're back. I mean like, hey, we're glad to have you back on the show. Oh, it's good to be back. Also, Dusty's not here today. Dusty's oh. out on this podcast, so it's just me and Mike and Chris sitting around the table. Um, With no snacks, by the way. And I feel like every listener should feel rebuked. I'm disappointed. My first Yeah, it's, it's as though you listeners didn't want to honor Chris's first episode back. And I mean, that is what it is, Chris. I won't, I won't take it personally. People, people take us for granted. Um, hey, before we get to your sabbatical report, I want to, I want to tie a bow on a topic from a few weeks ago. Okay. Uh, the topic was, has counseling replaced community? Mm. We talked about, uh, the, the fact that there's a, a little bit of a trend among, um, some people to, instead of bringing things fully into the presence of community to sort of do their work on the side uh, and, and, and their small group or people in, in community with them um, don't actually know the real things going on in their lives. We were just trying to do a podcast that actually sort of named that. <laughs> I had a lot of, I had at least four counselors reach out to me who were offended in various yeah. ways and felt like we were saying, so you're saying counselors are the problem. And so I just want to be clear, that is not what we're saying. Um, nor are we even, and, and we tried to say clearly on that podcast, we have a lot of uh, Christian counselors in our church who do wonderful work. And the point was not about counseling versus community. The point was about the ways that sometimes human beings trade the safety of talking with a person in an office for the risk of talking with people in a living room or, um, or around a coffee table or whatever. And so I want to be clear. Um, and actually one person I talked to, she had reached out over email and I talked to her on a Sunday. I was like, Hey, so sounds like you had some concerns about the podcast. She was like, yeah, I listened to it four times. And then finally it, I was okay with it. Cause, cause I, th- <laughs> you know, cause there's a, there's a way in which we can hear things at first blush and feel like something's mm-hmm. being said. And then we go back and like, Oh, that, I see you're not saying that. And so I appreciate that because we certainly were not trying to um, minimize the importance of good counselors, but we're trying to say that, Hey, uh, we want to emphasize and lift up the value of community. So for all of you counselors who heard us saying that your work doesn't matter, mm. please hear us saying that's not what we were saying. Mm-hmm. So, that's just a little intro bit. You're saying mm, as though you had something to offer, uh, like to add. I had a question. Oh, okay. Uh, some feedback that I got. <laughs> I wasn't even on this episode. I'm not planning on answering questions, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> and we, yeah, we could totally cut this out. But um, the feedback I got was, I actually don't feel like my gospel community is a safe place. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so my counselor is a safe place. Yep. I don't feel like my gospel community is. Um, so I think there's... I think there's opportunity for leaders who are in those rooms to, to yes. consider like, oh, how do I, how do I make my gospel community a safe place where people don't feel the pressure to be fixed in two hours, but feel comfortable enough to say, hey, here's where I'm at, 
here's what I'm dealing with and um, be able to let the community in on that um, rather than feeling like, oh, crap, somebody's going to try to fix me and say something terrible. That's good. Yeah. With that, Chris, let's turn to reflecting on the last four months of your life. You took uh, a four-month sabbatical? It was three. Well, it was three, but he oh, hasn't yeah. been on the yeah. podcast in, yeah. Yeah. in four. Yeah. So. Well, it, it was uh, – I preached for the first time last Sunday, and it was just shy of four months since I'd preached. I thought you were going to say it was just shy of four hours in a sermon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my sermon. sermon went four hours. <laughs> I had a lot to say. Okay, so let's start here. I'm just going to ask you lots of questions, and sure. this, this is going to be listeners listening to Pastor Chris talk about his experiences on sabbatical and the value of it um, and what was challenging about it. So the first thing I want to just ask Chris is for, for listeners out there, um, who would say, Hey, what's the point of a sabbatical or why is this important for pastors to do? Or why, why is this essential to sort of long-term pastoral health? I think we tackled that question on the front end, even a little bit trying to say like, Hey, why do we do this? Mm -hmm. But on the back end, how would you answer that question for the average listener? Who's like, Hey man, what, what, what's the, what's the value of a sabbatical for a pastor? Yeah. I'm not saying, trying to say the pastoral ministry is the hardest job in the world, but there's unique dynamics to it, unique relational dynamics, spiritual dynamics, um, mental, emotional, physical, and to be able to step away from the responsibilities of leadership. And, and in some ways you're stepping away from community because a lot of times your community and church, they're all enmeshed. And so you have to kind of uniquely step away from something to get space to process and to rest. And and so I think that's for, for pastors having space to, to kind of disconnect where you don't have to be on, you don't have to be thinking about relationships. You can just be, and that takes getting away. You can't just necessarily do that by taking a week off or, you know, a few days off it. You really do need an extended amount of time because it also slowing down, giving space to, to reflect and pray and just not have the rhythm of ministry. That's, you know, some soul work can be done. So I think it just is a reflection of the unique nature of ministry and what is kind of required to, to actually experience the kind of rest and reflection that you need. That's good. Mike, I feel like Chris looks like really rested. Don't you think? Yeah. Like just looking at his countenance, you just look, yeah, you look refreshed in a good way. Oh, that's good. I just want you to know that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel it. Um, talk about for you, what, what were the, as you look back on sort of what the Lord did in sabbatical or what, what you sort of, the, the value of it for your soul mm-hmm. and for your life as a leader. Yeah. What are the, what are the biggest things that feel like, man, this was the, I don't want to say like the, the takeaway, you know, cause that's not really the point of a sabbatical, but, th- but this is what it felt like. I, what the space that it opened up in my soul. Here's the, here's what that, that yeah. accomplished yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or brought to my soul. Yeah. Well, I'll answer your question by saying what didn't happen that I thought might happen. So having had conversations with other pastor friends and hear people talk about sabbatical, a number of them talked about kind of going to some angsty places in your soul or maybe even questioning whether you want to be in ministry. And and, and I think that's those are great and that's fine. There needs to be freedom. I remember you telling me, hey, you need to have the freedom to let your soul go there. And so I was expecting to kind of have that experience at, like in month two and it never happened. I never, I never went to an angsty place and I don't think it's because I was, you know, not doing work to reflect and, and was kind of holding that back. But I, I think it in many ways was sabbatical revealed to me is I'm not really 
cynical about ministry. Praise the Lord. Like, I'm, I'm honestly not. <laughs> we need guys like you yeah. around here. <laughs> and that there really is a joy in ministry. It really is something I, I believe I'm called to. And so there was no thoughts of quitting. There was no, um, who am I apart from ministry? I, I felt the Lord gave me the sense that, hey, you know who you are and you know kind of what ministry is to be about. Like that there's been work there and I think I've been discipled well in that. But what was revealed is that the things that I experienced as cynicism in ministry, tiredness, um, maybe where there's kind of knots in my soul, a lot of that had to do with what I was prioritizing kind of in life and, and kind of even the way that, so for my wife Mindy and I, the way that we would prioritize our relationship and kind of our home in relationship to ministry and what got exposed is that we, in so many ways, we allowed the burdens of leadership and ministry and community, all of that, even when we were doing that together, uh, we were letting those things really dictate who we were and how we lived our life kind of relationally as husband and wife and kind of the, the rhythms and structures of our home. And so for us, sabbatical was a lot of ways a reset of that, resetting who we are as husband and wife, prioritizing that, um, building structures and rhythms in our daily routine that valued and prioritized that relationship so that we, when we would come back, hey, we're going to do ministry. This is this is our life. This is fundamentally who we are. Take ministry away. Take leadership away. We want to live a particular way regardless. And um, we want to give ourselves to the habits and rhythms. I know we, you know, we use that language a lot, but, but really do give ourselves to that, that are deepening our relationship with the Lord, with one another, strengthening our home life, and then let's do ministry. Let's lead from there. So sabbatical really was, hey, let's take away the responsibilities of ministry, the, the complexities of community, all, all the things that are, that are kind of there that happen, and just kind of focus on your relationship with the Lord and relationship with each other. And it was just day by day, living real simply, having a good routine and rhythm for our day. Say, hey, this is going to kind of, this is going to be how our day goes. And it was all just basic stuff. Get up, walk the dog, eat breakfast, go exercise, come back, read a book, go to the pool, make dinner, you know, just like real common things. But we really learned to love that because we committed, we're going to do everything together. Even if it's, you know, going grocery shopping or, you know, whatever it is, we're doing it together. Um, give some space to go, you know, off and reflect on your own. But, but largely it was just establishing that. And in the midst of that, um, I think the big thing for us that was solidified in our heart is, hey, if you want to have a longevity in ministry, if you want to do this in a, in a way that is healthy, that prioritizing these things, these small kind of things really is where it starts. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that the Lord did in our soul, just the, the foundational aspect of the home and those primary relationships and how to do ministry from that rather than letting the burdens of ministry sort of impose on your home life. One of the things people always ask me when I talk about a day of solitude or going on a prayer retreat or sabbatical is, well, what do you do? And at <laughs> one level, that question frustrates me because I'm like, well, I, you, you just figure it out. But I understand why people ask that because this, there is a very different sort of way of being intentional about time like this. So for people who have that question, what do you do? And even for pastors who might be thinking about a sabbatical in the future and wondering, how would I structure that time? 
talk us through a day in the life of your sabbatical. Cause it sounds like you guys had some, a real clear sort of like pattern you wanted to live in and a way that you wanted to structure your time intentionally, but simply. So take me to a Wednesday in June and what, what are Chris and Mindy doing? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we spent two months in Florida, um, just about an hour North of Orlando. So one of the things we had to structure our day around was the, the weather. Cause it's ridiculously hot in the summer in Florida. If you've never been there, in yeah. June, July. <laughs> yeah. By the way, everybody who thinks that Florida is a place to go on vacation, you haven't been to Orlando in July. It's yeah. Not fun. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the we the Airbnb we stayed at was great. It did not have a fenced in yard, so we had to take our dogs for walks because dogs need to you know do their business. So I had to take our dog for a walk before 7:30 every morning. Otherwise it was too hot. Even she was like, Nope, not going out there. Sorry, buddy. So, it, but, but it was nice because you know, just kind of got up around seven in the morning, um, took the dog for a walk through the neighborhood, which was fun because it was a way to get to know people in the neighborhood we stayed in and, um, and then come home and it was just spending some time reading, um, whether, um, reading some scripture or just reading so- something that was just helpful to, you know, something other than heavy theology and leadership books and all the stuff you do in ministry, but just, I was spending a quiet morning, um, did not drink coffee. Um, Mindy did. Cause you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. Nope. So fine. You know, glass of water or whatever. <laughs> and then <laughs> a glass of water. Um, then, uh, typically in the morning we'd go do something, um, go exercise or do something that just was kind of more uh, physical, um, just to enjoy that time again trying to do it before it was too hot to enjoy. Well, I, one time we, we tried to go play pickleball a little later in the morning and, uh, it felt like it was like inhaling water when you're just like outside. It was just so humid. It was like, we're sucking water trying to do this, but just something, you know, physically rejuvenating. Um, and then after that, uh, probably, you know, making, making lunch together and just having conversation in the afternoon, we're either reading or maybe go to the pool. Uh, and then, um, in the evening, making dinner together, take the dog for another walk, uh, where we stayed. Um, there was live music at these different locations nearby. And so we'd sometimes just take our dog down and just listen to some, you know, cover bands from various genres every night and just kind of hang out. So it was all very much a relaxed kind of pace. Um, and, but again, it was, everything was together, whatever activity is, um, for the most part, we're, we're doing that together. And, I think to some degree too, it's, I mean, and this is, I think this was helpful going in is it wasn't necessarily, Hey, you have to, you know, plan out your day and schedule your day. It's more about just try to find a good intentional rhythm, but do what you want. And I think that's what we felt the complete freedom, um, to just kind of do what we wanted to enjoy, what we felt was life giving for us and rejuvenating for us. And, and so there was no big expectation that we had to get this thing done or do this thing, or, you know, have to read this book or accomplish this thing. We, we just celebrated the simplicity. That's, that's kind of what we just loved being able to do and, and look back at the day and go, Hey, you know, nothing that we did was like super exciting or interesting, or, you know, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, but boy, it was a good day together. And, and that's what we, we just came to enjoy. We spent the day together, did some activities that were very life-giving for us. And that was a win. For all of us who are in our working years. The emphasis for most of us in our work is on productivity. We need to create, we need to produce, we need to accomplish things, move something forward. I think for pastors and ministry leaders, 
sometimes the average person can think, well, if you're a pastor, you must just study the Bible all day or read books or do theology or write sermons. And uh, actually, there's a high degree of productivity required in ministry because similarly, we're trying to move the mission of God forward, whether that's discipling people, preaching sermons, counseling, caring for folks, planning events, leading a staff team, etc. What felt, so, so when you talk about not having to have the focus of a day being on what did I accomplish or produce, but just the, the, the different pace of just like, Hey, the, the scoreboard for this day is not, what did we get done? The scoreboard for this day is just a pace of life and a rhythm of life that, that, that honors simplicity and rest and sort of gives space to the soul and mind. What did that do for you? How, how does that, how does just that different pace for a season shift your soul? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And it, it probably was about six weeks in, into Florida when, when I think this realization hit us where living at that pace, trying to seek a simplicity, for us it became, this, I think even though we were going to re-enter the world, there was going to be complexity and responsibilities and a need to be productive, that th- there, there needed to be a, a sense in which this was still foundational to how we lived our life, that we still sought this. And that if we wanted longevity in ministry, I, I think one of the themes that, that kind of, I wasn't expecting this, but the Lord kind of impressed upon my heart for a number of reasons was endurance. Like what does it mean to endure in uh, ministry, but just even, you know, healthy, thriving marriage, the miracle of enduring in your faith, just what, what kind of life is that? And it's, it really does come down to these simple rhythms that value um, communion with the Lord, communion with other people. But, and that requires rest. That requires being able to give your soul space to breathe. It, it requires living, like living simply. And I know, and I think it's sometimes it sounds like, well, yeah, it's nice on sabbatical. Back in the real world, you can't remove all these things. And I agree. And reintegration has shown me that. <laughs> But there's still this sense where fighting for um, that that you're giving yourself and fighting for and prioritizing cert- certain habits and routines that allow you to to whether it be rest, whether it be reflect, whether it be give unhurried time to relationships, unhurried time to communing with the Lord, that that has to still be foundational. And I think being able to just focus on that highlighted that for me and realized this this is, I want to give myself to these things, even in the complexity of my normal life of leading and, and, you know, all of that. And, and so making that a priority to come back and go, okay, I might not have the whole day to just sort of do all these things, but I'm certainly going to fight for and structure my day that whether it's in the morning or whatever, you know, whatever it's in the afternoon or evening or whatever, that I'm still going to give myself these habits. Um, I'm still going to prioritize certain things with Mindy um, where we just have unhurried space and, and, you know, do something together, talk about whatever we want to talk about. But um, the the unhurriedness and the things we gave ourselves, the unhurriedness, they, they're, they're vital. They were vital for us. And we we just decided, hey, we need to we need to give ourselves to this and not allow the busyness of ministry to to cl- um, crowd that stuff out. Um, and they're kind of, again, leading us to be sort of at the mercy of that stuff. So, um yeah, I think the being able to focus on it highlighted for us the importance of it. 
Was there a favorite book you read on sabbatical? Yes. Uh, so it was a memoir um, by J.R. Moringer called The Tender Bar. Um, I first heard about this actually, They, uh, I think within the past year or so, Amazon made a movie. I think it stars Ben Affleck. And I was like, kind of look like an interesting movie. And so I researched it and it's like, oh, it's based on a memoir. Uh, and so it's a story of this kid who is raised in essentially a suburb from New York City. It's the town that um, F. Scott Fitzgerald uses inspiration for the great Gatsby. So kind of this interesting uh, East Coast town raised by a single mom. But the 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 whole story is this longing for a father figure and sort of like male roles in your male um, just in your life masculinity. And so he's raised by his mom and he's kind of got a crazy family, but his uncle is a bartender. And so he spends a lot of time in this bar and you're like, oh, that sounds like a great upbringing. He's like, yeah, wasn't a Christian upbringing by any means. But what is awesome about this story is he talks about these different men who played a role in his life and shaped him. And the, the thing that it values about masculinity is things that we would absolutely affirm. Like he gets this longing for a father, the importance of male role models, um, and he's, he's just kind of this journey of how he starts off as this kid in this kind of crazy life, um, goes to Yale, graduates from Yale, becomes a writer for the New York Times and then the LA Times and then wins the Pulitzer for feature writing. And so it's kind of his journey um, into masculinity. But um, I think as one who didn't grow up with a dad and had to, kind of had similar experiences, where I had these different men throughout my life that kind of played a role for a certain season. I resonated with it. Uh, there were parts of it that were... Um, yeah, just like punch me in the feels. But the thing is, even if that's not necessarily your experience, he is a phenomenal writer. I mean, an absolutely phenomenal writer. I Probably one of the best nonfiction things I have read in a long time. All right. I'm putting it on the list. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm really good. One. Is the movie good? I have not seen the movie oh, okay. yet. I like that you just read the memoir and didn't see the movie. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks for being that guy. Yeah. Um. Was there anything that seemed hard, challenging, um, you know, that was there any ways in which sabbatical seemed like it, it challenged you or, or put things on the table that were tough to wrestle? Through? Yeah, uh, it definitely exposed the way that Mindy and I did not prioritize our relationship. Um, we, you know, our, our, for our entire marriage, we have always been really good friends. Um, we've never struggled with friendship. We love to spend time together. So I think we've, fooled ourselves in some ways about how we prioritize time. And so coming to this realization that, wow, uh, as much as I've heard this drilled into my head as a pastor, as much as I've said this to other pastors and other men, you know, prioritizing your marriage, prioritizing family, and then to come to this recognition that, wow, it's just so easy to, to just let responsibility dictate what's most important. Uh, I went back and reread some parts of the emotionally healthy leader and some other things that were, you know, just kind of, Hey, I need, I just need to, my soul to be provoked. And just this thought of, Hey, how come, you know, the guy that I'm discipling or my church gets the best of me, but my wife doesn't. And I was like, ah, that's humbling. So just, I think getting confronted with that, a lot of repentance on that. Um, and, and having to admit okay, I'm not who I think that I am, you know, in that regard. I have not um, been as faithful as I wanted to sort of present myself or think that I had been. And I think also hearing from Mindy just the honesty of, of how that 
could hurt. Um, and, and I think we both came to the realization that work, while we don't necessarily find our identity in work, we both use work to distract ourselves from other things. And so having to recognize, wow, rather than running to each other to work through painful things or challenging things, we'd often kind of go in our separate corners and kind of just put our heads down and work hard. And uh, so that was definitely humbling. Mm. Was there any ways, did, did this sabbatical give you a chance to look back over the first six and a half, seven years of First City Church? And, you know, as you, as you sort of look at like the legacy you've left so far in ministry and then look ahead to like what's in front of you, were there any realizations there about, hey, here's what's been great about that, or here's what I'm looking forward to? Yeah, yeah. I actually just sent this as a message to our members this week, uh, kind of a reflection on this. Uh, on the one hand, on the one hand, I look back and, and I'm like, man, I am so thankful for what God has done in the past six and a half, nearly seven years in First City. So much to rejoice in, uh, so many blessings. And I think also, and, and this doesn't, I don't think I say this in arrogance, but in some ways, like, yeah, we're doing the right thing. Like the, our philosophy of ministry, the things we've committed to that, that that's, we're over the target. We're, we're biblical. We're, 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 it's good. And that's God's grace. And I think it's the, also the, the testimony to even the Coram Deo and just the, the heritage there of being discipled well. And, uh, that, that there's a, there's something there deeply formed in the people of first city and the DNA of first city that, uh, we can rejoice in by God's grace. Uh, and I, and what I told our members is what the Lord did is just confirmed, Hey, keep doing this, keep committing to the principles of spiritual formation, keep committing to this idea of habits and rhythms, um, empowered by the spirit and gospel centrality and, um, you know, hospitality and, uh, preaching the word and prayer and just the, the ordinary means of grace, like all of that, like we don't need to, innovate. We don't need to, you know, uh, come up with some sort of better philosophy. Now we need to mature in these things. We want to grow and mature in all of them. And, and I'm, you know, fired up and excited and encouraged to, to lead in that. But I came back with the sense of, I don't think we need to, you know, burn this down and rebuild it. <laughs> I don't think we need to change much. I just want to get better at what we're doing, more mature in what we're doing. And I hope that's encouraging to our people. <laughs> I think it's yeah. gloriously, satisfyingly boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because exactly. Don't, because you know the stories that get play are like we had to burn everything down and start over. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a little more dramatic. Yeah. And but it, it's really, I think, satisfying. Chris, people say like, yeah, I looked at what we're doing, and I'm like, actually, really happy with it. Mm -hmm. It's really fun as a leader to go. Hey, I'm actually really happy with what we have here. Yeah, and fun for yeah. a church member to be able to say, yeah, this is good. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, that holy discontent of, of, of wanting to see maturity, but it's very different than, oh man, we're just been going about this the wrong way. And we got these bad categories and this bad philosophy of ministry and, and to really be grateful for the Lord of saying, no, those pieces are in place. Let's just lean in more and be you know more faithful to what God's called us. That, that is an encouraging place to come back from sabbatical to be in. All right. Last question. What, uh, I don't, you know, most of the listeners of this podcast are ordinary Christians trying to live on mission in their context, but I realize there's also listeners who are pastors and church leaders and elders and deacons and so forth. What would you say if you're just trying to, on the back end of sabbatical, make the best case for, Hey, here's why you should value this in your church. Here's why you should value pastors having every seven years or so a, a season of time away. 
what's what's the case? You know, what case would you make to a listener who's who's asking? Yeah, should we do this at our church, or should I, should we figure out figure out a way to create a a policy or a rhythm or a pattern for this? Yeah, I almost think your policy should be you have to pastor. <laughs> like you're you're basically if you're going to be here, you have to do this because I I think for a lot of pastors we do get in the flow and we. Uh, the the grind of ministry and the the productivity the, it can be a drug sometimes, and to to say no you're going to actually take some time off to to do some work because you know even I think even the most disciplined and faithful pastors, uh, so much of even our own time with the Lord is caught up in our work you know we're praying a lot about other people and about the burdens and that's not wrong, but it getting that space to to really just set that stuff aside and what's really going on in my soul? What's really going on relationally? What, what is the Lord saying? And you just that, that, that is such an important and vital thing. And, and again, like I said before, I don't think it, it can really happen the way it needs to, unless there really is a stepping, fully stepping away for an extended period of time. You know, I think regular vacations, that's great, but I think that just does a different thing. Um, and I think can, you know, be good in the meantime, but to give your pastor the space to reflect in a deeper way and to, to work through things that will, you know, repentance and even encouragement and growth that will allow them to endure. Again, if we're, if we're talking about, Hey, we want this pastor to be around here for 25 years, Lord willing. And we want the legacy to be handing off a healthy church and raising up healthy leaders. If you want that endurance, then giving your pastor an, an opportunity to sow the seeds to endure is, is going to be a gift and a gift to him, but also a gift to you. That's a good word, Chris. Chris Holman, welcome back to the Wednesday conversation yeah. and to the, the next seven years, Lord willing, yes. ministry in the local <laughs> church. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to share my thoughts. Yeah. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. And we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your own context. We always love to hear from you, the listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topic ideas, send us an email, podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next time on the Wednesday Conversation.